Hello and welcome to Crapflix and Chill, the film podcast on a terrible journey to find the ultimate sweet spot between a film so bad it's actually fun to watch and a bad film that's just plain unwatchable. My name is Jamie Ballantyne and I'm joined as always by the most mightiest, morphingest Power Ranger of them all. It's Joe Thompson, everybody. How are you this evening, Hey, bud? more phenomenal. Yeah, I'm good. How are you, man? I'm good. I've now, I've just got the Power Rangers theme song, uh, theme song, <laughs> theme song stuck uh, in my head. Uh, and I might replace that with, on one of the edits, but I haven't decided yet. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say they don't make theme tunes like they used to, huh? They like don't. think of Power Rangers, think of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's some uh, really good. Were you ever uh, into the Dragon Ball Z intro theme? That was pretty like Power Rangers Rocky. Yeah, pretty, pretty damn good, man. Pretty damn good. Uh, and just uh, wanted to quite pop a friendly reminder that you uh, can now follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Crapflix Podcast for our weekly animated re- uh, releases for each new episode. We also share some visual gags that we notice from the films we're watching, plug of the podcasts that we talk uh, uh, that we love, and generally talk films all day long with people. So if you want to get involved in the community, jump right in, man. There's a space on the sofa for you. Kick open a beer. Kick open a beer? <laughs> That'd be aggressive, but also quite a good party trick, I think. Crack open a beer and kick back. Got through that, just about. I really want to see you kick open the beer Just now. so you know, guys, that piece wasn't pre-recorded. I do do that live every time. I'm not sure if you can tell from See, today. it's not just me. It's but just yeah. me who fumbles. <laughs> That's like me constantly fumbling with Crapflix podcasting at Crapflix Gmail or whatever I do a fuck up, so... Yeah, we're only you human. think uh, however many episodes uh, in we are, we uh, would be slightly better at this, but we're not. So enjoy the terrible ride. Well, speaking of episodes, uh, I'm going to guess off the top of my head, 38, 39, 38, one of the two. What do you have lined up for us this evening, Joseph? Well, uh, in the usual Joe-like way, I thought I'd throw a bit of a curveball your way. And I actually have no idea if you've seen this film at all. But I will say straight out the gate, this is not a crap flicks. This will be a good flicks today. What? So I thought I'd uh, oh, change the format and give us another give us another good flicks in oh, the same season. Because why brilliant. the fuck not? It's our podcast. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, but I'm just going to say the title first. Because if you haven't seen it, I'm going to change... Uh, change what we normally do and not tell you the synopsis because I think it'd be more fun to not tell you what this film's about. Okay. So, have you seen a film that came out last year called Palm Springs? I've literally just watched it. Really? Oh! And I fucking love it. Me too. Okay, this is good. This means you don't have to concentrate too much on it, but we can still enjoy it together. Sounds oh, good? brilliant. Yeah, mate, I'm a massive fan of this film. It is a good Me flick. too. Fucking brilliant. Definitely a good flicks. And I also think there's some really good talking points from it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't need to, <coughs> don't need to say that. Sorry. That, oh God. What the fuck was that? <laughs> We're live, Jamie. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be all right on the night. Well then in case, because you have seen it, let's tell the audience the film synopsis of Palm Springs, uh, actually quite, um, unless you're really paying close attention to the poster of the film, you probably wouldn't recognize really what this is about because the, the film, uh, the film cover is quite innocuous and things like that. But anyway, the film synopsis is stuck in a time loop. Two wedding guests develop a budding romance while living on the same day over and over again. It's really fucking good, guys. I can't wait to watch this with you, Jay. Uh, so much time for Andy Sandberg and so much time for what I think is, well, it's not a completely fresh take. It's a 
uh, a really, really interesting and plays with a lot of clever ideas on that whole Groundhog, uh, Groundhog Day phenomenon, uh, which I also love. So, yeah. You good for a countdown? Good for a countdown. Here we go. Three, Three two, two, one. Play! So you can tell when Jamie... Uh, when Jamie is editing versus me, because I'm so lazy that when I edit the film, uh, when I edit the podcasts, I just use the same countdown every time, which ended with Jamie saying Amaroff as if he said that every single time. <laughs> and he didn't. And Jamie does it live, which is why he sometimes scolds me for not doing it with him. So there's a little tidbit for you all. There's a little uh, behind the scenes, uh, as you were, to how this, uh, how this uh, podcasting stuff goes down, you know? You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so why why Palm Springs, Joe? Why why now for good flicks? Yeah, I think I was thinking about a good pick me up. I was thinking that May has been in the UK certainly a bit of crap with regards to weather, and I just it's wanted been to watch miserable. Hasn't I don't know about you? Yeah, I yeah. wanted to watch something that was really summery, and you know the, the world's opening up again, which means we're on the cusp of going to a few more weddings. So why not bring back <laughs> summer and weddings? Plus, it's just bloody good. Like, I, I do think both the main actors of this film are incredibly likable actors. Mm. Like, Andy I mean, Sandberg is so naturally charismatic and likable. So I've I've been a uh, for a bit of bit of uh, history. I've been an Andy Sandberg fan for a long time. Um, I loved watching uh, loads of his um, Saturday Night Live sketches. And all the yeah. all the like oddball comedy stuff he did with that, and then through that, that lent itself to uh, the Lonely Island, who I really yeah. love. I love that. Um, oh, just because they're they're musically really amazing, as well as being just beyond goofy. And then that's turned into Brooklyn Nine Nine, and that's turned into him now uh, just jacking himself off. So. Yeah, which is exactly what we all want to see. Um, I So, okay, let's just do a spoiler review because it's more fun knowing that we've both watched it to talk for us now. Why, if we know that he repeats the same day and that she's an awful person, which is pretty evident from this opening scene anyway, why would he still shag her? Is that because men are terrible? Well, I, th- I think it's like, you know, if, if he didn't, ev- like eventually he would kind of be like, oh, well, I may as well now, like after after X amount of days or something. So yeah, it probably is because men are terrible that even though he knows she's terrible to him, he kind of just like, oh, well, I feel like having a shag this morning. So And in and in most realities, she, depending on what, pretty much regardless of what happens, she ends up cheating on him. So yeah, exactly. But like, it's it's totally a thing. If you did have this groundhog, groundhog day, no, it did sound silly, right? If you were in this uh, repeat cycle, and as he has done in this film, slept with you know a few people at this wedding, you know he's probably he probably knows by now how much effort he has to put into sleeping with all of them. Oh my god! And the music playing right now is Krangbin, which is another amazing band. And it's just like I w- when this started playing, I was like, I know I'm gonna love this film. Oh, that's where I want to be, Joe. I just want to be on a lilo in a fucking boat, shaped like a pizza. <laughs> I mean, a pizza. Yeah. Okay, we'll probably we'll probably explore this theme more so, but I will say, the, 
I do think there's something very impressive about these kind of Groundhog Day type films. Loved Groundhog Day anyway. I don't know if you've seen it, but I love Happy Death Day and its sequel. Um, I love I love uh, Happy Death Day, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, the same day. The Tom Cruise Emily Edge of Blunt Tomorrow one. is really good as well. And it's it's amazing that although they all take it in quite different directions, I guess action horror. Well, horror comedy, I suppose. This is just pure comedy, I guess, but comedy drama. Like, I think the, I think there's something really interesting about the concept of a day reoccurring and what you as a human would do about it. Well, and also, like, you know, it's one of those, like, initially most people would be like, oh, yeah, this is a great idea because, like, I'll learn all these, like, new skills or I can just do what the fuck I want and have all these experiences and you could drink yourself to death every day. You could you know, run around naked, like there's no consequences, but how quickly would you go insane? And, and everything, because I feel like she, um, Kristen, uh, what's her name? Chris, Kristen Milioti. I've definitely said that wrong. Uh, her character gets way more tired of the shtick than Andy Samberg does. I've not seen her in much else other than actually um, an episode of Black Mirror called USS Callister, which I fucking loved her in and loved that episode as well. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> no, she's she's good. She was so good in that, and that episode as well was amazing. I've just realised that this incredibly wanky wedding, there's a uh, a what's it called uh, macrame design behind the the couple that's clearly supposed to be like hey look at this wanky wedding and we literally have recently bought a massive macrame piece for is our there really? oh my so, god um, there <laughs> yeah I see joe cool this is the say. this is the beauty of having the groundhog day experience of watching this again we can spot different things oh. i mean that that was something so I, was, he, I was taught that you should always watch a film twice to really appreciate it but who's got the time Stat cast as well. You got the dad from the OC. You've got the Superman, at least the one from, well, the guy from Team Wolf, but also Superman in Supergirl. And then you've got the bird from Riverdale, Andy Samberg, Christina Milioti, whatever her name was. Big cast. And well, J.K. Simmons. Comes I was going to say, later. Not, not spoiler alert, but once J.K. Simmons hits the scene, I think it was at that moment when he enters and everything that plays off with that. That I went, okay, they're going to do something different here. This is cool. The thing we you, missed you don't see it just, coming. just now, whilst we were talking, is one of the worst, most hilarious, uh, I, I guess, made of honour speeches I've ever heard, where she just recites something from the dictionary and then just pauses and no one does anything. <laughs> it's so good. I oh, don't say that, Joe. I've been taking notes from, from this for some speeches I've got coming up at weddings, so don't tell me they're bad. Webster's Dictionary defines marriage as... Do you think at a real wedding they would let this random person stand up and make as much of a scene as this in clearly a very orchestrated wedding? Uh, no, because, um, and it's not because he isn't charismatic about it, but it's because he's wearing that, uh, that god awful yeah, Hawaiian shirt. Exactly. He clearly he the visuals. Out. Although Hawaiian shirts are on the, the comeback. Wait, what? Let's dance. So this, this is a cool tune as well. This scene coming up where he, um, he approaches cool. her is the only kind of like what I would say is the really obvious Groundhog Day reference of he has clearly done this so many times to know everyone's positions and moves and it's obviously very slick but, but I, I like that the rest that. of the film I like that the rest of the film doesn't really play into that and it's just like okay he's obviously done a hell of a lot but they don't 
it's they're more focused on him in the present rather than you know watching Bill Murray spend loads of time learning how to sculpt ice or play piano or whatever. But here we go. Absolutely. But, but this is worth it. Just for this, this whole scene is so well choreographed. And he just looks so fucking slick. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> so good. You would be you would be freaked out if you were her. It's a little bit too like spot on. Oh no, I fucking love it. I also would find it hilarious if someone did this to me. <laughs> what do you mean? I do these dance moves. I love all this eighties music, man. 80s music is so in. Mate, Electro synth. Oh, I fucking love it. Give me, give me some Kavinsky. I'm any so day. glad it's here. You should never have left. <laughs> well, you know, like all the way like certain like cycles and eras come back into fashion. So if 80s music come back to fashion, why do we suddenly have lots of 90s hairstyles? Yeah, very true. What are you smelling? Orchid explosion. No, you'd be freaked out. You're right. Now you would be freaked out. I was like, you know my perfume. That's very weird. Well, I know my hair mist. I dated a girl who used to bathe in it. Well, I I don't like it. Tala got it for me as a birthday. Yeah, it is making me want to get. Oh, oh my god, I love this waitress. Here are the drinks. Lucy, her face as she walked up. That 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 as a bit part, I think that waitress is so funny. <laughs> you gotta make it big, kids. You got the acting chops. <laughs> Oh, true story. I once, when I was at uni, I joined their kind of drama, uh, I guess, theater, theater group and did a bunch of plays and stuff. One of them was um, Romeo and Juliet. And I actually genuinely won an award at the annual awards for this theater show, which was a theater company, which was like three, 400 Ooh. people big. And it was, uh, it was the making the most of it award because I played guard two, but yet made it memorable. <laughs> I was literally just about to ask, were you playing Mercutio or? <laughs> no, not literally or nothing. I just, no, I just, just massively hammed up the role I had. <laughs> yeah, the making the most of it award. Can you love it? That was not wasn't really award. They made on, it for me. Love it. On, but you, but you're very specifically guard number two, not guard number one. Oh like, yeah, possible. Uh, yeah, one of the one of the two guards. One of the two name. One of the two numbered guards. Fuck, That's what I fuck guard number one. What the hell was he doing? Uh, you well, must was, have he, completely <laughs> shown him <laughs> yeah. up. What an absolute loser! Congrats, man. That's awesome. Tell me you're proud. I, I'm proud of me for that. I'm 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 proud of you, like um. Uh, a dad who plays catch with his son for the first time. Good job. And what would Misty think about us running off together? Oh no! How long would it take you? Like, I don't know how. Maybe how much into the relationship he was at the point before coming to the wedding or whatever. But like, it's even if you're like you're. Well, I can't personally, I can't speak from my own personal experience, but even if you are stuck in a relationship that you absolutely hate and already checked out, would you really want to go and watch your, your other half cheating on yeah, you every I think, single day? And I think there's something in that. It's like, there's something quite reassuring about the idea of a, like, whatever, however it plays out, that was the resulting fate of the situation. Because I think there's, there's a lot of crossroads in life and you, you can always start to wonder if you've made the right call. But um, if yeah. if you know that all roads lead lead us that way, that's where that kind of fatist argument comes in, I suppose. Not to get too philosophical, yeah. but I've always kind of had a to- no. I think it's a. I've always had a bit of a toss up between um, what makes more like whether whether you know believing in fate is too much of a backseat passenger way to rule your life 
because I, I also think that um, it's kind of yours to make. You have to take some responsibility. Yeah, I mean, if you just believe in fate, if you've got a bad draw in life, then you believe that that was always supposed to be the case and therefore you shouldn't do anything about it. Like, whereas if, yeah. if I don't know, I think I'm just possibly a bit more of a go-getter and I, I would just hate to be a passenger, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I still, you know, some things happen which are big coincidences, but equally there's other stuff which, you know, you are in control of your own destiny. And if you're not happy with something or you want to pursue something, don't let life, don't accept what life always gives you. Absolutely. And amazing boxers. <laughs> Did it make you jump and when that the is the happened, moment? First of all, massively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so that is the moment, the arrow going into him, that I went, okay, this is going to be something different. This is Andy Sandberg, a reverent comedy to the max now. This isn't your usual. And I also thought her reaction in this is so spot on. <laughs> it's literally exactly how you would feel. <laughs> literally, uh, that must be like, a, uh, I really want that to be a memed moment because that is the best literal example of what the fuck. <laughs> it takes a while to actually realise it's JK, JK Simmons, doesn't it? Like, he... Yeah. Especially so in the silhouette for a while. I guess they probably thought it would ruin the suspense of it if you could very quickly tell it was like a comedic great like JK yeah so uh, we had this with time trap creepy caves we've now got a glowing red cave which obviously means danger would you go into this uh, absolutely not and as we all know from all the other podcasts, I would see it and go, ooh, shiny, <laughs> and walk straight up. I would assume that that cave, well, he knows what the cave is, so that's irrelevant, but I suppose for her, I would assume that that was a layer of his or something. If you see him walk into it, you know, that, that, that's his premises, and he's yeah. lit up with some kind of tiki torches or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would fucking kill for a cheeky, tiki torch cave party right now. Guys, I have to apologize uh, out to the to the our listeners today. Uh, I actually have a horrendous like ulcer on my tongue, which is so gross and so not sexy, but it's making me talk kind of funny. So I, I don't know if you can hear it, but I'm I'm kind of slightly lispy today because I uh, you sound a bit like a Terence Manning from Breed. <laughs> is this comeuppance for taking the piss out of Terence Manning? I think I, I was going to say be. I feel this is karma, Joe. I I mean. You know, we talk about fate, and I kind of feel the same with karma, but this feels like karma. Uh, I Let's call it the Taron Manning on my tongue. <laughs> I didn't even know you fucking get ulcers on your tongue. Can we talk about how crap that is for a second? Like, How, how does that even it's happen? It's bad enough anywhere in your mouth, and I don't get them that often, but when I do, they're pretty bad. But, you know, you try and do anything, you just, just have to ride it out. Horrible feeling. Is, is, so, so remind me again, because I'm, I'm, I'm no dentist. Uh, an ulcer, when you normally get an ulcer in like the side of your mouth or whatever, that's the stuff you put like Bongella on. Bongella, yeah. Better. You really, Corsadil is the is the thing you should put on it, like well, it's the thing you should wash with because it's really good. But um, even that takes time. Um, yeah, but it's obviously harder to do on your tongue because it's constantly like moving and it's constantly like there's saliva, so like nothing's like yeah. no gel. It's also on, the, on it, and it's just it's like, on the side of my tongue as well. So it just keeps scraping against the side oh. of my mouth. Not fun. Catch your teeth. Okay, so you have followed a man who's just been shot by a bunch of arrows into a cave, uh, and then you woke up and the day has repeated itself. What do you do? 
Um, I think like the horror, the horror uh, genre, the whole how many deaths would it take for you to believe you you realize you're in this scenario? How many things need to happen now in the morning for her to realize it's the same day? Or would or would you notice straight away? What what would what what part of your routine would trigger? Because you can wake up, you know, that could be a glitch on your phone. This could be the day after. Well, I guess in her instance, spoiler alert, would you freak she, out? she knows this is different because she knows where she is in this moment. Yeah. So she knows she's not in her own bed. Cheating whore. Horrendous. Such an interesting character move. I just find it so mad. It was, again, that was that was a really good twist and added like a huge level of depth. And it's like, well... You know, Andy Sandberg might not be might be waking up to somebody he doesn't really want to be in a relationship, but you know he can get get on with it. She's reminded of her guilt every single morning and just can't live with it. So of course she wants to escape. I mean, they both deal with pretty crap openers. Like he's got to wake up to a girlfriend that he knows is going to cheat on him and has every intention on doing it, and he's got to then have sex with her or not. But then sort of dis- disappear and slide away from her in the day. And she's got to wake up with the much, much, I appreciate, worst situation where she's done that. So, horrible. Why can't I just wake up on, like, an awesome birthday I had and just relive that over and over again? Right. I mean, I will say, I just give you- when I was watching this, I was like, ooh, a wedding. Is that quite a cool thing to relive over and over again? Because there's so much potential to meet new people. Or does it also get tiring? Yeah. Because it means you have to do the ceremony every day. It's not really about you at the end of the day, is it? Yeah. That's what I'm like. Yeah, relive, relive like a really like nice family Christmas you had. Oh, oh, oh. face planted on the floor. I don't like any any scenes like that. Oh, that is horrendous. Also, that the, the the blonde girl who plays uh, Andy Sandberg's girlfriend, this is just the worst. She's the worst, but she's also the best at being the worst. She's another really good actor. Yeah, she she plays it really well. And this guy, Captain Douchebag, what a douchebag, <laughs> Captain Dickhead. So you said he was like a Superman in like a Smallville or something? Well, yeah, he plays Superman in the Supergirl series, um, that quite popular one on the CW. Mm-hmm. I think it's on CW. Um, and he, yeah, he plays the Superman in that, but he's also in Teen Wolf and a number of other things. Tyler Hochin, his name is, and um, Gareth really fancies him. So there you go. Well, this is one for Gareth to uh, get stuck so into. Obviously, I have to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you if you're in this Groundhog Day loop, you kill that guy every single day. <laughs> yeah. I also I weirdly think Andy Samberg is sexy, but I don't really know why. I think it's the confidence. I also think the first thing I ever saw him in was. Um, uh, I love you, man. I think where he plays was, oh, okay. was it. I love you, man. I think where he plays the younger brother, and he is he's got all this confidence, and he keeps he's a gay guy that keeps on hitting on straight guys. And I thought it was really funny. Like he's like spotting spotting them at the gym, and then he's like toweling them down, and then he just like, gets on with it. <laughs> it's so good. He's he's definitely not like conventionally attractive, and uh, I think uh, he's a very good example. And this is only my street guy perspective, so I'd love to know what you think of it. But he, I think he's a very good example that clothes for him and haircuts make a really big difference. And uh, I think there's like moments in Brooklyn Nine-Nine where because of the way he's styled, the way he's got his hair, he very much can be that leading man like 
like romantic lead sexy icon in it whereas then you see him in some of their like other skits and stuff and you know maybe he's got more of his like natural hair or he's kind of in goofy outfits and stuff and he obviously fits that but like he doesn't have that same vibe he's not as like conventionally attractive so it goes to show like clothes go a long way i think that also ties into the fact he's a comedian so i think it's quite rare to have a comedian that is like flawless in the way they look like more often than not they'll have some quite like exaggerated qualities about their face or something, which kind of adds into the comedy. And I think for Andy Samberg, he can look more gawky than he is. And I think part of that is to do with the, yeah. area, right, the styling of his hair, what he does with his face, you know, all like, he's got such big features, like a big nose and a huge mouth. Like, but yeah, there is something kind of hot about him. He's the kind of guy that girls really like. And a lot of guys are like, why? Like you can imagine him as an East London dickhead. I think I, c- I can see you know it. I mean? Well, I hope he wouldn't wear like some wanky glasses and grow like a, a you know, beards are cool because, you know, beards are cool. But, you know, like grow a really dickhead mustache or something like but that. But he probably would. If he lived in if he lived in East London, I think he'd be very like. I hope he wouldn't be very that. Oh, Andy. But yeah, give, give him given a, a styled haircut, give him a bit of stubble and put him in a, a, a leather biker's jacket or some sort of cool cop outfit in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I, I, I can see why uh, why the ladies would like him. Plus, you know, make him laugh, Joe. That's always been my tactic. <laughs> laugh their pants off. Um, I Yep, they, they literally look at me and they laugh and then they leave. <laughs> I think I would, um, if I was her, if I was her in this moment, I would just be following him and understanding what he's saying and believing it at this point. I wouldn't be trying to be defiant around it. Like, I don't... What's the point? Like, just, just yeah. un- trying to understand the Especially lore of the world. Especially at this point. Because the main problem with um, Groundhog Day type films is that you... Um, you can't do in my head this is where my head goes through I'm like well I can't do anything too radical because if I did I wouldn't be sure if that wasn't the last time I would loop this day because you'd never know and let's say you did something really dramatic for the sake of hey nothing matters in this world and then that's the day you pass over to the next day you fucked it so I don't know if that plays to my my sensibility but I couldn't do anything that that I would deem uh, irreversible or overly damaging, which means my own experiences around this would be quite limited. Initially, I think, like, okay, you know, he's not really doing any harm here, just kind of rocking up to somebody's somebody's uh, apartment and just helping himself to drinks. But how many days, if, if, you're, if you're a skeptic, but eventually, if you did this over and over again, it would break you down. How many days before you tried, like, tried to end it just to see what would happen? Or... You know, would you have a tendency to be like, fuck it, I might just start a fight and, like, potentially kill somebody? Would you have that urge or that inclination? Because at at that point, if you knew there were no consequences, it's a very interesting psychological question. Yeah, I think that says a lot about you as a person as to what you do if you understand that there are no rules and no restrictions to a day. Exactly, yeah. Regardless of how long it takes you to come there, come there <laughs> regardless how long it takes you to come um, would you still do those things if you knew you could get away with them I guess I mean not thing. to get super dark but I wonder if anyone would take it to a place of hey let me see what it's like to murder someone or let me see what it's like to be horrible but like sexually violent to someone or something there's going to be people that would take it to that place which I find really disturbing because 
Well, when you when you said about like, oh, maybe reliving a wedding over and over again is a good idea. I was like, how long before you want to murder everybody at that wedding? I was like, stop saying the same thing in your speech. Like, how pissed off would you get? <laughs> Are you fucking cheating on me? She's so good. No, you're cheating on. No, you're cheating on me. <laughs> and she's so confused. <laughs> what? Sorry, I love his. I love his heart's underwear. I, it's such like a cliche, but I actually secretly want a pair. I can imagine a lot of the way he's styling himself is something that you would probably do, and I wouldn't be mad at it. Like you and Holiday wear. Me. Oh fuck yeah! As I said earlier, Hawaiian shirts are coming back. I had, I had one last year and they couldn't really do much with it. But you know, once it gets proper beach party this year, and by beach party I mean just going to a park in. See, I'm a vest guy, but I'm definitely not a Hawaiian shirt guy unless. It's more like a co-ed set because I can I can pull those off, but just a Hawaiian shirt I can't. Gareth looks really good in the Hawaiian shirt. I look bad. I look like I look. I don't know why. I think it's probably the shape of my face or something. But I look just like the dad at a party. Whereas you're like trim and you know you can just do you can wear that kind of stuff and it suits your colorings and it suits your hair color. But for me, I look like a <laughs> I look like the, the the slimmer, more attractive cousin of the guy from Jurassic Park. <laughs> He is. Yeah, Crabflix is like... <laughs> Crabflix and Chill, sponsored by Wayne Bridges. <laughs> Man, Wayne Bridges is getting all over our podcast. He's getting mentioned to them. He's in He's in Space Jam. Yeah. Also, I really hope it is Wayne Bridges, because I think I called him Wayne Knight last time. So... Oh, I love her. There's lots of great extra characters in this that get like minimal screen time, but just read really well. Like this lady, <laughs> this lady at the bar is great. Well, even just like the uh, the bar staff who brought him his drinks earlier, you absolutely loved. <laughs> yeah, but she's so good. She's so deadpan. Just amazing. Um, can I say as well? I really fucking hate it when people sit on pool tables. Guys, show some respect. Like, don't put your drinks all over it. Don't sit your asses on it. Play the game. Move on. This is why I couldn't own a bar, because I'd be like, get the fuck off the pool table. <laughs> you know? Well, you could, but you'd just be there with a pool cue smashing it over people's heads. You'd have to keep buying more pool cues. Uh, yeah, I'd be the one starting the bar fights at the bar, at my yeah. own bar. I'd be like smashing Joe's all of my Joe's bar fighting grill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who wants to take me on? Yeah. <laughs> No, I just really like a steak, please. Did y'all see the side? It's Joe's bar fight and grill. Uh, only good bar is like one of those like romantic uh, ideas people have. They're like it's, I'll uh, be like, that sounds really cool on paper, and you get to just be there and drink and stuff. But it's really fucking hard, and actually, it bankrupts most people. Yeah. Um, J.K. Simmons is a classic example that goes against what I said earlier, where there is nothing about him that looks particularly funny, but he is so funny i suppose he's not a comedian comedian he's just a comedy actor but um he's got great deadpan delivery oh uh, yeah on and of one of the best voices he's also he's one of the voices in invincible right he's omni man mate yeah exactly yeah i mean he's, he's omni man he's in this he does really serious shit in like whiplash he does funny shit uh, he's like J. jonah jameson in the spider-man movies not that we need to bring up Spider-Man 3 ever again. Um, 
Don't just subtle subtle thing. Don't you love the fact that clearly at the start of this wedding situation he was not wearing a, a Hawaiian shirt and he was clearly trying? Yeah. And also just as a person, he seems a lot more like uptight and inquisitive and freaked out by random occurrences, whereas now he probably welcomes in random occurrences. This is Andy Sandberg's character because obviously it's the only thing that's different every day. Yeah, and just like the fact that this is how much <laughs> this is how much the the experience has worn him down. It has changed his personality. <laughs> I mean, to have a night like this with J.K. Simmons, I would be so buzzing. Exactly. Do you reckon, do you reckon they had to make it colourful to get away with it? Oh yeah, probably. It would be like if it was white, they'd get in trouble. <laughs> it's like in the well. Well, my favourite things in the uh, great horror classic, The Shining, is when the elevator doors open and the blood, clearly blood, floods into the corridors and the sensors were like, oh, you can't do that, you can't show that much blood. I think they literally just turned around and said, oh no, it's like red water. And they're like, oh, okay, that's fine then. It's like, really, is that easy to like trick <laughs> trick the censorship board? <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. No, that's not Kane. They were just uh, snorting um, yellow chalk. I don't, I think it's such a big move to put someone in that time loop. Like, I think, I mean, I know he's on something, but it's just. I think it's the drugs. To to subject someone else to this. I just think that's such a Because I'm not being funny, but would you, would you want to bring your part? Like, okay, if you were happily, uh, well, sorry, you are happily married. If you are at this wedding with your partner who you're happily married to, would you bring them into it? If you kept doing the same loop, would you put them through this, or would you, would you be selfless? I would spend. I would spend a day telling him that that was true, and and asking him whether he'd want to. And then I would not let him. And then I would do it five or six more times in different ways, just to make sure it's really what he would want to do. Yeah. And then I would do it, but I couldn't just like lure him into it. That wouldn't be fair. Although I will say, no. I think Gruff would want to do it with me. Again, yeah, it just means you're meant to be together forever. Ultimately, I mean, I, I do think, I do think these Groundhog Day moments, like as as scary as the concept is, in in one hand, you know, it ultimately is the antidote to mortality, isn't it? If you're just going to replay the same day over and over again, you never get older. And that's in itself. The antidote to mortality. You come up with some absolute lyrical ways of uh, explaining things, Joe. I love it. It's true, though, isn't it? Yeah. You know that's a scam. Of course. Yeah. It just makes me sad because I'd have said something really stupid to try and describe the exact same thing. <laughs> that denim cap is great. I really want oh it. Oh my god. With the Hawaiian shirt as well. Are there people in here? I mean, off the back of our thinner conversation, would would part of you like the fact that every day, you know, because it resets, you could literally just do what you want with like food and booze and be like, oh, there's literally no consequences for me eating. Therefore. Yeah, that sounds that riddle too. Um, they're having an interesting conversation right now where she probes him around his sexual conquests during these repeated days. And he, <laughs> there's the barmaid again. Hit one of the best seeds ever. <laughs> Look at his face. Everything about this is perfect. <laughs> Darla. Oh my God. Oh, he's going he in with Darla. Darla. No. Andy, no. He tries to hit on the, on the bride. Um, I... 
You would. I think you would go around and uh, well, I would. I would try my luck with pretty much anybody. If 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 the that's just any wedding, good, babe. Good <laughs> I love this. <laughs> hey hey. <laughs> well, now he knows. Ridiculous. I do love the kind of um, there. There would be something so liberating about get like, yeah, this. This is so good. <laughs> what are we do we do? Gallagher. <laughs> So good. Do you I think he know. was kidding? Uh, I kind of don't think he is, but I think he plays it off for a joke in that scene. But me too. I, I, I'd love to like. As well. I love they break out of this and then uh, in real, in like actual real normal time, like ten years down the line, and they're happily married and stuff. He, it might come up again, and he was like, "Yeah, I wasn't kidding," and she'll freak out. <laughs> That's the sequel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, would you, if you had had sex with her before the loop, would you tell her? Because I, I have my opinion about this, and it's quite strong. Anyways, I think the party's. Um, I think you should because I think it goes back to the a. If you're, if she's still in the loop, there's, there's no skin off your nose for, for doing it, and because everything resets, so you know you can say anything to anybody and. It, you know, there, there's no, well, you might suffer the consequences in the moment, but there's nothing to lose long-term. But long-term, now that she's out of the loop and it's happened, it's almost like borderline essay without her consent because she obviously has no recollection and like will suddenly feel very, very manipulated. And definitely, well, she, she does when she finds out that it has happened and he lied to her. Um, that would be a huge issue of trust. I disagree here. I don't think he should oh. tell her because it's not the her that's in the current moment. So she, is, as by her recollection and by her own memories, has never slept with him. And as such, it doesn't do anything other than make her feel uncomfortable that he has slept with a version of her. I know how I would feel if I learned that. Like, surely it's much better for them to naturally progress to the point where they would want to she's rightfully creeped out um because that makes you that makes you look at that first scene in particular when he's dancing around and he's saying all the like things and the perfume and stuff are like that's all premeditated but like later down the line in their relationship if if he is just like uh, you know there's 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 certain moves in the bedroom which he's like doing from the off that she likes which you know would would take Oh, you know, a, a normal couple a bit longer to kind of get to and stuff. Would you not be weirded out by that? Or she would start questioning it and being like, are you sure you haven't slept with me? He's like, how do you know I'm into that? I feel he'll, like, he'll, he'll I feel like his, mis- well, his mistake is that he slipped up later on. I don't, I just don't. But then I, I can see how there's a parallel to what I'm saying to the question about ethics to do with whether you should tell a partner that you plan on staying with that you've cheated on them. Like it's, there, there's something not the same, but, kind of similar about it do you, do you see what I mean it's kind of like because yeah. the causation is kind of well you don't want to hurt them and it doesn't affect them in, other than in a bad way but ultimately yeah I don't know there's something in that there's something in the upfront honesty about it but I just know how I'd feel if someone tried to tell me that in a different version of reality I had had sex with them but having said that if I already kind of fancied them or was into them it wouldn't surprise me either so it kind of just depends on how it was presented I suppose Mate, this is why this film is a good flicks, because on the surface you might be like, oh, it's a, a screwball comedy, but below the surface it gets fucking deep. 
and they they steer into that they do so to catch the audience up because we've wandered gloriously off topic um as always although we haven't really we're just we're just talking about thematic stuff um sex so thematic thematic i don't know um she thinks she's cracked the code because she refuses to believe that there is no way out of the loop of this so she believes it's about a redemption arc and in doing so yeah she uh she whispers something to her sister who by the way is the bride of this uh wedding situation uh into her ear which upsets her which changes the course of the situation in the day she then feels like she can get drunk and fuck off she's now just woken up and realized it's all the same anyway it's changed he was right he was right and she is wrong so i mean you would be pretty gutted at that point because you're like well if it's not a redemption arc and there's nothing it's not about me owning up to some massive like life guilt or something then you would be like i'm literally powerless to change this i think i would be more fascinated and excited than i would be horrified at the start i would be like okay so why is this happening what is going on but i would also just enjoy the liberty of these kind of stolen days i guess i wouldn't be at the start being like thinking oh my god what am i gonna do how am i gonna get out because ultimately again it's situational but if i woke up in an okay day what they're doing right now they're they are now chilling in in the pool doing doing fuck all because she realizes this is just what yeah it but is. it took her a few times trying to kill herself and trying to break the code before she got here although this is arguably the best part of the movie when they're just pissing around look she's happy now this this is how I feel like uh, the, the there are two ways to approach like you know the 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 big gaps we we we've each had in the pandemic in the last year and particularly if you're on a period of furlough there's the whole like oh if I've got not unlimited free time but like as close to that as I've ever had in my life as a responsible adult I could do like something clever every day and trying to learn a new language or you know learn a new skill or really better myself. Or you could behave like this uh, all the furlough and just just enjoy life for what it is because you won't get the the breaks that you normally do. And actually, it's about just surviving rather than feeling like you always have to be on it. So, uh, yeah, I will say for me on reflection, now that I'm fully out of it, furlough was worrying to a point, but it was also incredibly liberating to just to just wake up, be financially sorted because you're being covered anyway, and just kind of have days where they're open-ended and you can do to a certain extent yeah. things that like either help you or there was definitely a groundhog day to it, but I, I don't remember ever particularly feeling like I was massively over bothered i remember at one point my old boss was like oh we might need to think about bringing you guys back in or rotating you back in and i remember feeling so disappointed about the idea that i might have to step back into the ring but uh yeah. i think that was probably more and you know this because you know me well uh is um probably more that i was knew that i mentally was done with the role i was in anyway so i was kind of thinking more about the longer term of taking it as a chance to step away from it um and there is yeah. you know what the craziest thing about covid it really did give us a bit of a Groundhog Day moment for a while, and it also did slow it down did. life for just a little bit. And um, I think we'll probably look back on an individual basis, because on a national and worldwide basis, it's been horrendous and still is. But from an individual basis, I think there's been quite a lot of important things that have happened to people, to myself and to a lot of people I know and love. Uh, I think people have really taken the time to examine areas of their life. And I think it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's it's for for hopefully, you know, the the positive spin on it is you know for a period where you might not actually have done 
on paper, like a huge amount in terms of like Groundhog Day aspect, it's actually had a very profound growth on you as a person as a result from doing so little in, in that sense, because you've had the time to pause and reflect and just understand who you are, I guess. Yeah. Oh, okay, do you know, this is a weird, this is a weird segue, a film related segue. But film, a film like this, where there's a conceptual piece where he was stuck in a situation and then she is then pulled into that situation. Have you ever seen a film called Passengers Firing before? bombs from a crossbow. Can we, can we just... Can we just <laughs> and doing a pirate-related play in the middle of a wedding with a, with a safari In the arm. middle of a wedding. Yeah. yeah the, the absurdity of the comedy. Uh, Passengers. Uh, I've seen... I think I've, it's one of those movies on TV that I've watched like in 20-minute segments, but not yeah. the whole thing. So I'm not quite sure about the whole, I don't know how it ends, but the whole like, should he have woken her up from space is similar to the whole, should you bring somebody else into this Groundhog Day loop? Well, that yeah, yeah. so that's my point. So in this in this case, I wouldn't argue that he did actually do that to her, but he did do it to J.K. Simmons, no. but on Coke or whatever. But he, but in Passengers, it's it's played from the perspective of, for the sympathetic perspective of, of Chris Pratt's character who wakes up Jennifer Lawrence's character when they're on a mission where they will survive, they will last their entire life in space in this massive spaceship that's got multiple shops and everything like that and, and, and activities and stuff, but ultimately alone, but with each other. And so he is deciding in that moment to basically change the course of her life completely. And because it's done from his perspective, you you it tries to it's make you sympathize with him that. whereas i've always thought that film would be so much better if it was done from her perspective and the twist of the film is that you found out that he was the one that woke her up yeah and i i think that would have been such a better play by play but i think they were they were too worried about affecting the characters of either one of them because they're too big and that's what happens when you get like at the time, Hollywood A-lister, very popular actors and put them in movies together. You can't, you get too worried about uh, the perception of their characters and whether that will change their, their status. Well, it's Joe, if, we, if, if we're going to start throwing shade over passengers, we should obviously be throwing some shade as well on the fact that allegedly Jennifer Lawrence is the home wrecker that split up Chris Pratt and uh, Anna Faris. So yeah, which you, I don't know. You know what a whore. <laughs> Although I really like her, and I don't, I don't. I fucking love true. Jennifer Lawrence. I'm so disappointed that she kind of, kind of f- fell from grace in some weird way, probably to do with that and some other things. But I actually think her undoing was she did an interview with Adam Sandler, and for whatever reason, Adam Sandler made her look awful. And it was really weird. Sorry, yeah. Adam Sandler of all fucking people oh, I know, to I make know. look basically by awful by comparison. Yeah. Oh, no, honestly, you've <laughs> got to see it. It's such a fantastic like power play where he just makes her look really inappropriate. It's really weird. But um, wow. And oh, any okay. So we're at a really good point in the film. So they've done basically a lot of like you could argue hedonistic, just like pissing around, like no consequence pirate displays and and dressing up and being crazy and dancing in bars and things. And they're now the sat. Stuff. They're now sat at a campfire, and she's asking about what he remembers about his old life, and she's a bit perplexed at the fact that he doesn't seem to remember much. Now he, uh, I, I don't know. When I first watched this, Jay, I found this bit really powerful that he could literally have born into this. Forgotten his life. He's born into this so much, or he's. He's experienced so many re- uh, repeats of this day that he genuinely finds it hard to remember his life. It really shows you how far into the loop he is. Terrifying. 
That's the yeah, bit exactly. that I see. Like, it, again, it's under, it's, it's subtle, but it's done so well because he, what? and you can see the cracks of his kind of like carefree attitude where it's kind of like, it's carefree, but it's Well, also, like you said, he, he was, he was wearing a suit in the, the earlier flashbacks to like, oh, he just doesn't give a fuck now. Like he's been in it so long. It has like, like irreversibly changed his entire personality which is like a huge thing. He could have been like a really stuck up, uh, boring, serious person before. Um, and that is the uh, far cry from what he is now. And that is what the, the insanity this is what I mean. Like how long before this actually drives you insane? You can't kill yourself. You th- There will be some finite limit in your perception of what you could do every day or within the limits of being in a, a single day, 24 hour loop. But, uh, yeah, but also the weird thing is you don't get more tired. You just literally remember more. So you wake up exactly as energized, exactly as young as you did at the start of that day with exactly the same amount of energy as you started with that day. You're just, you just come armed with an extra day's worth of knowledge. So I just think it's, that's where your mind would melt. And that's where the more you kind of learn and the more things that happen, the more your original life would fall away. But I just find it really hard to imagine or to think about how long he must have been in the loop to completely start to forget and whether he actually does or whether he's just saying that for convenience well it's kind of got like you know one of those <laughs> i don't know I watch this. mojo top top 10 um film films happy films with secret bad endings uh things that actually when this film ends and they break out of it what does his life really go on to considering um, everything he has forgotten and technically his current position with his, his ex-girlfriend or, well, sorry, his actual current girlfriend, really, by the timescale. Is that not really daunting and actually scary for him? Well, also, it's unless I misremembered, it's quite hard to work out what has happened with regards to the wedding. You'd imagine at that point they didn't go to the wedding at the end, or do they? In the last instance, they, do yeah. they follow through with the wedding? I can't remember because if not, they have to do with the fallout of her not being at her sister's wedding and whatever inevitably inevitably happens past and that. And the real fallout of her cheating on her her sister's fiance. I just can't. Like, in what world does someone do that? I just think of all the people who are off limits. I just think it's crazy. Like, it doesn't really go into much detail as to why she does that either. She doesn't really explain mm. it. She's just. He's like shattered by it, but why? Home wrecking whore. Because <laughs> she seems to actually genuinely really get on with her sister, so I just don't understand. Like, yeah, like, what is it in your personality that if you got so drunk, like, to have zero control of yourself that you think that would so happen? So they've. Oh, this they've, is sweet. They've, they've had just a pivotal had moment. A certain amount of days have gone by, enough for her to feel fully comfortable with the situation. And she's just had sex. Um, and now they're about to drift off to sleep. And oh, and she's woken up happy, even in the terrible scenario she's in. Yeah, and he's woken up happy. I feel like this is a lot less lonely a world if someone's doing it with you. i tell you that much. I mean, I think that's that would be the thing for me, the whole like moral question about whether you bring someone in, even if you... Here we go. Plot twist. Fit. <laughs> oh, that's what you meant. Oh. So this is the pivotal moment that we find out she's been sleeping with her sister's fiancé, but Joe's just happy because there's a half-naked guy in the room. And that's why every time she wakes up, she looks like worried at the sound of the shower. 
uh, going off, but you never really get the context why. Apologies for anyone who's not seen this film. We have completely ruined it for you. Um, I assume in most ways we ruin quite a lot of films, but usually in different ways. Um, this, I this would to us, strongly I would hope, recommend yeah. watching this. Yeah, haven't. yeah. I, it's really good. You know what? We're not even... There are so many interesting themes and topics about this film and the, I guess, the world building of this film that there's too much to talk about for us to even really pay attention to how good the dialogue is, how good the music is, how good good their chemistry is. is, how good the side characters are. And just, I think it's quite a skill to write a film that feels balanced, even when it's just repeating the same day over and over again. Yeah. Which A in itself is still not even like a completely original concept. So to have a, a really interesting take on that, to have this really finely balanced um, kind of mix of the comedy with like really deep philosoph- <laughs> philosophical existential crisis, which, you know, has got us going in terms of the chat and making us laugh at the same time with the, the whole mise-en-scene of it shot really well, written really well, great chemistry, great acting. Uh, the story's got good pacing throughout. It sticks to the landing. Um so good i think as well it's it's probably one of my favorite films in a long long time i'm trying to think about something else i've seen it's exactly how i felt yeah absolutely just loved it great everything about it was exactly what i needed and exactly what i need tonight as well this is an interesting scene of one of those it's not um, just a good flex it's a bloody great flex. this is an interesting scene where it's another one of those uh, like a miscommunication scenes which is obviously such a trope in films anyway but she is upset because she's realized the inevitability of her waking up in the room with her sister's fiance and feeling like a horrible person every day and he, even after a nice night with Andy Samberg that won't erase that guilt and he is feeling for the first time in quite a while and telling her and trying to sort of coax her into saying hey last night was good I don't know if he's feeling a bit insecure or something about it but either way he is trying to get her to uh, he's trying to understand why she's not in a great mood and you just want her to explain it properly but she doesn't and you can see why she doesn't. It's obviously super embarrassing, but it's also quite a frustrating scene for that reason. It's probably the only scene that I yeah. got frustrated by, but you're supposed to, so it's just written well. Yeah, like he looks genuinely a bit hurt and confused, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, I can't think off the top of my head of any situation where I've been sort of post-coitus, I suppose, where I've uh, wondered if someone is feeling a certain way, but I imagine that's a probably quite a vulnerable place to feel. You've never felt that? No. No. Really? Because I'm really good in bed. I would bed. say you're very lucky. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Well, um, it's it's not, It's in this case, it's not even, well, I think in the in the case of this, it's not even about the actual sex itself. It's just about the, the emotions that kind of surround it and... You know, sex can be different things for different people uh, in all sorts, but something has to make people feel something uh, to get to that position. And they're, I would say it's very, very difficult to be in that position where somebody doesn't feel it more than the other person. Even even if it's a proper one night, proper one night stand, I still guarantee one person would have felt a bit more into it than the other person. Oh, see, that's where hetero world is so different to homosexual world. Like, gay, gay world is such a business transaction, and I've had many without sounding too sleazy. I've had many an encounter where 
it was very much a yep that was good bye and then there's just yep. nothing else but then I do think without like, sounding, like do you almost shake hands at the end well <laughs> like, like, oh, thank you <laughs> you just tell them where the door is but um, you I think with but I also think there's like a biological difference between having sex with two men and having sex with uh, a female obviously beyond the anatomy I think there's also a chemical difference that happens uh, where uh, don't female, go catching those feels well yeah and that's a, that's a praise but it's also there's a truth in that isn't it like apparently uh, women in particular are predisposed to, to attach feelings towards that as part of the process of reproduction and it's yeah. uh, that, must, that must be fucking crap you're sleeping with this person because biologically they not only produce produce a child with you, but they're the ones who like you are attached to and safe and you're picking your your partner for like the long term in, in, in doing so. And that is obviously not what is, is maybe going on on like a, a direct level, but the fact that chemically your body... I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how it feels like that, but equally, I think it, it can still go both ways as well. Yeah, well, it's also like, yeah, exactly. It's like any kind of, um, it, it, it must be frustrating, I think, if you're a female to know exactly how the situation is, but almost from a biological level, feel differently about it. It's weird. Um, yeah. So they, they've currently uh, hit, a, hit an argument together because, and he has dropped the bombshell that um, they have slept before. Which is literally the worst time for him to bring it up. Uh, we did hook up before. I mean, I appreciate he's 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 hurting. Yeah, but see, he, he's right. taken away. This was my point. He's taken away her first time, which, despite her being in a sweat now, was special to her. And he's basically just undermined it by being like, "Oh no, no we fucked before." See, I don't. I don't think that's nice. I don't think that's a nice thing to do. I think it's far kinder in this reality for him to treat that time as their first time. I mean, I, I know he's saying it cause he's, he's in a, he's in a moment, but this is, this was my point. Like it seems more sympathetic. I, I take your multiverse. I take your multiverse approach to it, which is this isn't the same iteration of that person. If she was to, to wake up the next day or so the day that she woke up and it happened, he has not had a had the sexual interaction with her in that in that part of her life cycle i tell you one thing having being alone and experiencing the same day is one thing exploring yourself etc whatever then being with someone who you start to have feelings for then that person not being there anymore that would kill you that would i think that would that would push him over the edge i don't know like how many times he's just woken up and tried to kill himself straight away or something like horrendous but so did anyone actually see her sleeping there last night? She wakes me up every morning, guys, so she's got to be somewhere. Miles, what are you doing? Sarah, come on on out. Come on on out. Wake up. Yeah, this this film this film gets deep, man. Sarah? Sometimes I find though, like some of the deepest Sarah? films are weirdly like comedies or in the comedy space. I think there's such an interesting <laughs> line between line drawn in the sand between comedy and tragedy uh and and i obviously you know like in shakespeare a comedy wasn't necessarily something that was comedic but um it's uh no i i think there is often these kind of films they do kind of have you think and kind of have it going off in a different direction and yeah i don't know i think for for an actor that you could argue is quite um hyper i think he he is 
contained in all the right parts in this film, I think. Would you agree? It's 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 what I love about some of the best comedic actors and growing up what I did like for as much uh, as much as I appreciated the the stupid dumbness of Jim Carrey in your Ace Ventura's or your Robin Williams as uh, the genie in Aladdin. Then when you suddenly see them in One Hour Photo or you see them in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or The Truman Show or something that's got a bit more like edge to it. So then you really gr- great example. And funny that you mentioned The Truman Show because The Truman Show as a concept is terrifying as well. Like the idea oh, that your God. entire life you that have been fucks filmed. me up as a kid. Oh my god! You 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 mentioned the other day about like oh certain uh, certain dark comedies which you didn't get as a kid and like you maybe took like literal too literally or something and didn't see the comedy in it even though it is like a bit like abstract. I've been thinking about that so much more and little things keep popping up to me. The Truman Show definitely messed with me as a kid. Yeah, I mean, it's you either feel like the safest person in the world or the most overly watched person in the entire world where everyone at any time, no one gives you any privacy and you are just on show. Fucking freaky. Yeah. And, and again... Everybody's in on that against you. The paranoia is, like, real. And the Jim Carrey can take it to the comedic levels that he needs to, but is also incredibly deep as an actor when he wants to as well. So, yeah, brilliant. Um, so, starting to unravel... He's uh, he's confronted the groom at the wedding in this particular day, <laughs> um, and he's giving in the, his amazing Hawaiian shirt, and he's giving the uh, br- uh, the bride something unequivocal, which is the smell of his uh, of her sister on his pillow, his sister's perfume. Yeah, see, it all comes back around. Uh, absolutely mad though. I mean again you would maybe struggle to believe him because it's just a random guy who no one really knows in the Hawaiian shirt even though he is showing some tangible proof but tangible evidence <laughs> don't don't overplay the people's powers to look the other way though you could easily just you wouldn't want to ruin your special day you just believe you just wouldn't believe it would you yeah people people love being in denial just shoved a fork into the side of his face and he's fully freaking out see this is what's great and then we're back into the comedy stuff just after the serious bits so what would you do you're in this scenario and you're him what would you do in fact everything is the same in this situation but it's you and a significant person in your life rather than the blonde girlfriend. Well, Joe, I think this is the perfect place to stop then and have that conversation. Absolutely. So, Palm Springs, uh, absolutely um, a, a good flick. We have, we have touched upon it many times throughout about uh, all, the, all the different which ways why this really stands out to us um, uh, as a film, as a comedy, as something a bit a bit deeper, but an overall enjoyable experience. Uh, again, if you haven't watched it, go and watch it now. Uh, like literally right now, pause the podcast, watch it, and then you can come back to this exact conversation of an hour into the film. What would you do if you were Andy Samberg and knew um, Kristen's big secret? Um, it's tough, man. You would you part you would have to be a monster to not 
appreciate, understand, or like at least see from her perspective why she doesn't want to be in this world. She can't, you know, as great a time as they could be having every day, she's waking up with that guilt, with that mistake. It's like if if your Groundhog Day start, you know, I said about having it on my birthday every day. Imagine if it start if it was every day after like a really bad on a really bad hangover. That would make it horrible. Even if I recovered from it and the rest of the day went fine, every day I'd start to wake up feeling like shit. I don't think you want that. And this is way deeper than that. Yeah. I think, um, I'm trying to think of what I would do. I definitely wouldn't, I couldn't, um, despite my conversation earlier about transactional sex, I don't think I could keep trying to keep sleeping with someone who I know has intentions of cheating on me already has already will kind of vibe. Um, I, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I would feel aroused by it. So I don't see, you know, I, I don't see the point of that, so to speak, especially if there's no intention to try and like woo them back. It just seems really pointless. Um, I would, I would fully understand why they were in that space. If I had heard the concept and by that, I mean the, the love interest in this. And if they were starting in that situation, I would, do what he did and be as annoyed with the guy as I, as, as I would be um, frustrated situationally with what was happening. Um, knowing yeah. full well that this loop- <laughs> would, would you stab him in the face with a fork? <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. Um, but with regards to what else I would do in explorations around it, I really don't know. Uh, later on in the film, uh, she studies, uh, I guess a version of astrophysics and works out, um, through like the time space continuum that the uh hole in the, 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 the glowy hole in the cave is can be blown up and it will uh eliminate the loop um where in which she eventually goes back to see Andy Samberg's character and tries to convince him to come with her etc cetera, etc cetera. dilemma and then he joins her but um i fully know categorically i might be quite savvy and switched on i am not someone that would have even thought that there was a way out of it like that and i'm not someone who believes that my own prowess around science would get me there or even that i could eventually learn that i think i would accept the inevitability of the situation um, and I would probably start to eventually. I'd have to use this day to go and try and do a, a master's degree, like really slowly to try and vaguely even understand it. And at that point, I'd be like, oh, it's just not worth it. Like, do you just go and chill by the pool? Yeah, let's go and chill by the pool. I suppose the only thing that would eventually start to worry me was almost the complete opposite to mortality, where you would worry if that there was no end at all. Because much as we can be scared of life and the inevitability of death, nothing to me is ultimately scarier than literally living forever. Well, that is that is almost like if I want to get into a state of existential dread and it's um, not something that massively comes across my mind, but it's that moment when if you were to put aside any any beliefs, if, 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 if you if you believe in an afterlife, if you believe in a God or or anything like that and just think that literally when you die, that's it. And it's like it's just black and and nothing else and imagining that during that time if you were conscious of it if you retained consciousness and it was just nothingness and it was black and if, if i think about it a bit too hard like late at night i can get lost in that zone it's like and it's terrifying and it's kind of like that's the whole point of why life is worth living because knowing there's a finite end to it makes you appreciate and enjoy the things around you while while you definitely have them <laughs> And interesting, an interesting turn of events, J.K. Simmons' character that um, is 
I suppose the antagonist of the film who's, who whenever he comes into contact with Andy Samberg is trying to hurt him because he's so annoyed that uh, Andy Samberg trapped him in the loop as well. But um, at one point Andy goes to see J.K. Simmons' character in his like, I guess, like suburban house uh, with his wife and kids. And, and uh, J.K. Simmons has found peace with the idea that he is repeating that day uh, and all the life's intricacies of of that day and where they all are in that day. So he's like, he can accept And that, with his family, yeah. He can accept that his, he's sad and he can accept that his kids will never grow old. They will always stay the same age. And he, but he is also, he has also found a peace with the fact that his life kind of took the shape that it was supposed to. And that ultimately there was a lot to love about it, which is actually another really nice deep moment, which in it, which again, uh, it makes Andy Sandberg's character feel even more detached because even like his mortal enemy in this situation has found a peace and doesn't really want to associate with him and doesn't want to pursue anymore and he uh again it's like another like surprisingly deep entry into a film that could have been a throwaway time loop film and i think that's why i like it this much i like it because it's it is deep and it, it does it is a thinker and it's got a lot of pieces in there and i just think it's i just think it's brilliant you uh what are your closing thoughts on palm street palm springs mate well, I think it was more I wanted to because you just happened to mention so I do not want to undercut undercut every nice thing that you've just said. But speaking of deep entries, who's your chill award? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, when you said deep entries, that, that that just came to mind. Didn't even think of that. You are you uh, are a filth kid. <laughs> okay, so my chill award uh, goes to Tyler Hochin. Even though he's a fucking knob in this, he's so good looking. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, come, oh, oh on. come on. Did you see him in the After towel? everything you said about Andy Sandberg. After everything you said about the Andy Sandberg appeal. I will say Tyler Hochin doesn't look anywhere near as good without a beard. So maybe Andy Sandberg. Yeah, okay. Let's give it to Andy Sandberg. You've changed my mind. Uh, there you go. I've got my, I got my boys back. I'm wingmanging. Also, him. he's sexually ambiguous. Love it. There you go. Not the actor. I've got no idea if that's true in real life. I just mean the character because he, he shagged the black man. Anyway, who's your chill award? Um, going going for the the leading lady, Kristen um, Miliotti. Beautiful uh, eyes, right? Enormous very, eyes. Very very beautiful eyes. Has has an element of like the you know that kind of like pixie girl quality, but isn't like so Zoe Deschanel or like that or that phase that's very much like Hollywood's over kind of thing. She feels unique around that and is very much like her her own beauty. Yeah, yeah I get that. I think she's gorgeous. Have you seen USS Callister? Amazing show. Amazing episode. Of yes. When, when you when you mentioned that, I was like, oh, she yeah, that is what she's in. Yeah. Um, I think she's in the the Wolf on Wall Street as well, mm, possibly at some point. I mean, yes. Oh, and of course she's the flipping um. Oh, isn't she the mum from How I Met Your Mother? Or oh, she's involved in How I Met Your Mother, like in a massive way. Oh yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't 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 hold me to it. It's been a long time since I saw any of that show, and I don't think I saw the finale. But she was definitely involved. Hmm. That was that was Palm Springs. Absolutely. Loved it. What a cracking, an absolute cracking uh, good flicks on an otherwise slightly overcast, miserable day. And look, if we had to wake up again tomorrow and watch the film all over again, I would joke. <laughs> Love that. 
And on that note, this has been Craplix and Chill. We have been Joe and Jamie, and thank you so much for listening all the way to the very end of our podcast. Really hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Craplix Podcast, where we post a variety of supplementary uh, content. You can get in touch with us directly, Craplix podcast at gmail.com let us know your favorite crap flick suggestions please let us know your favorite good flick suggestions we love a good pick me up on this film as well as shitting over everything else we watch uh if you did enjoy our podcast please like share and subscribe give us a review on whatever podcast pl- platform you listen on share us with a friend uh thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you next time good night good night